This is a Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu slash library. So welcome to the library. Um, we are excited today. We're going to continue. This is part of our one book series on World War Z. Uh, we had a lot of zombie stuff in the fall. Uh, this spring, we're going to look at the themes of the book. And one of the themes from the book is emergency preparedness as a broad theme, like how prepared are we as a society to deal with emergencies as they arise. So we thought it'd be worthwhile to look very, very locally at our campus and have a conversation on what kind of procedures, policies, etc. exists here at Moraine Valley. So to get us started with that conversation, we're going to have a discussion today with um, Chief Patrick O'Connor, who's the Chief of Police here at Moraine, and we're very fortunate to have Chief O'Connor on campus. He's also an adjunct faculty member in the Criminal Justice Program. Uh, he has served as the past president of the Illinois Association of uh, Chiefs of Police. He's been a uh, chief at Worth and at LaGrange, so he brings a lot of experience. If you would, a uh, round of applause for Chief O'Connor. Thank you. You know, first of all, when I look out at you, I see a lot of criminal justice majors, but I also see some people who obviously are in a, in a field that you're trying to get a specialty in. Uh, you know, I, I know uh, some of you who are Michelle's uh, students are very aware of the emergency management need uh, uh, for your daily activities in your life. But let's look at it from a realistic point of view. You know, what I always tell people when I'm teaching Homeland Security or emergency management is the first person responsible in an emergency for you is you. Step one, I'm in charge of me. And when you're at school... It's very easy to walk in blindly. How many people here usually park it around the same parking lot and walk in around the same doors just about every day? We do. We're creatures of habits. We're little animals who go down this row every day and walk out mindlessly. You probably really don't know around your classroom all the entrances and exits that are around you. You also probably really aren't aware if something really bad happens here, and it can happen, what's the plan, man? Obviously, you got the guys in the blue shirts walking around. We've got a large police department. Actually, Moraine Valley has been rated as one of the, uh, the, the most safe uh, campuses in the United States. We were, last year, we were 12th in safety and uh, crime, uh, crime reporting as, uh, across the country. And we're third all overall in the state. And that's compared to the big state universities. We've got a staff of about 60 people in the police department. But with that being said, and being a municipal police chief for around 13 years before I came here, and I'm in my 40th year as a police officer, what I can tell you as an ex-police chief, as a public safety director, as a, as a planner, as a SWAT director, is every time you think you have a plan, it blows up. And the first thing you have to do is recognize is you're responsible for you. So as you walk through this program we're real quick with me, what I really want you to do is take some of the things we talked about in awareness, and take them out in your personal life. Because a lot of things that apply here, uh, I'm a FEMA uh, instructor, I'm a preparedness instructor, um, I work for the Illinois Terrorism Task Force, I'm an assessor with the Illinois Chiefs, I assess other police departments. I do all this stuff, but if the participants aren't in, as we know in the municipal law enforcement, there's a very thin blue line. And what I mean by a thin blue line is, your communities and this campus is... We may have a staff of 60 people for three campuses, but ratio-wise, there's a very thin group of law enforcement officers here who have to serve a lot of people. 
So the first step is recognize what you can do uh, and what you should do. One of the things we talk about, we've heard all over the place, over and over and over and over again, is active shooter, active shooter, active shooter. I treat, teach active shooter and prepare this as a threat assessment for the state. And when you look at this, what I really want you to do is look at these faces and say, which one of these people, when you're walking through the hallway, it would you consider a threat? And I can tell you just about all of them, you just pass in the hallway and not notice. You know, when we have, talk about active shooter, we have this image of a guy in dark clothes and this goth-looking guy that comes in and does things. But realistically, it's just an average person. It could be a staff member, a faculty member, a fellow student, a visitor who's just having issues. And one of the biggest issues we see nationally, and I serve on the legislative team uh, to Congress and represent Illinois, is funding for mental health issues. Everybody talks about gun prevention and gun violence. One of the things we don't do is the people who shouldn't have them, we don't remediate issues in the family the way we used to. So this is not a new issue. Why do you hear it all the time? We hear it because we report better. There's more information out there than ever before. But if, in fact, you turn around, you go back up in here, and you recognize that guy looks about as strange as you can, yet he was a decorated serviceman. A Marine Corps veteran, he killed his wife and his mother-in-law in, the home, in their home, then went up to Tex the Texas Tower and proceeded for the next 14 hours to kill people walking on the, uh, the campus of uh, Texas A&M. And he was one of the most prolific killers of our time. What happened? He had an undiagnosed frontal lobe tumor that was putting pressure on his head. He had terrible headaches. And everybody around him knew something was wrong. And going back to 62... We still didn't do anything about it. So what I'm going to tell you is, when you look at all these smiling faces, everybody knew something was wrong, and nobody stepped up and said anything. When you look at Charles Whitman, he, 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 he was a prolific shooter, and that was one of the first times with the Texas shootings that we actually recognized that there was something wrong with our mental health system. But as you go through here, one of the ones I responded back in the days with, uh, I, when I actually had hair and I showed up in my black swap pajamas was Lori Dan. She's a middle-aged woman who had mental health issues, and her family knew it. Her ex-husband was stabbed in bed by her, yet she was given a job as a nanny and attacked the grammar school. How many people knew there was mental health issues? All that had something to do with her, but we don't deal with it. And one of the things I'm going to tell you as I go through here, Amy Bishop, that's the middle-aged woman that you saw on the, on the side, She's a faculty member who had a dissociative disorder who really was in a position where, as she didn't get tenure, went to her tenure meeting and probably started shooting people in her tenure meeting. Everybody knew Amy was not right, but nobody reported those issues to campus police. Adam Lenza, I don't even have to say anything about Sandy Hook. Weapons should have never been in the house. Mother, everybody knew there was an issue. He had gone to school there, and the staff and faculty knew when he went there earlier and left. He should have called the police then. I will never beat people on the head about not doing what they should have done after they're dead and gone. But what I will tell you, who's responsible for you? You are. And if you don't say something, I don't care how many police officers here I have, I can't help you. Preventing school shootings is, is pretty, pretty simple. But there's no canned issue where we turn around and we look at it and say, this is a school shooter, this isn't a school shooter. What we can do is recognize those people who need mental health. What I can tell you is Moraine Valley uh, 
is really one of those situations when we look at uh, active shooter situations, we have a very active threat assessment team here. What's that mean? It's a behavior threat assessment team. It, it, it involves human resources. It remind, uh, involves uh, the campus police department. It involves counseling, uh, uh, student activities, a whole group of people, including disability services, where we engage people when we have complaints. Have we taken people out of here who've had, had personal struggles? Yes. Have we brought them back? Yes. The goal of campus threat assessment is for us to get engaged early. You don't hear about us. I teach it in the state. I'm one of the chairman of the teams. But what I can tell you is when we get a report from a student, staff, or faculty member that somebody's having problems, it's easier for us to get engaged quietly. Your information is kept confidential. And what we do is we engage that student with counseling, with therapy, with outside intervention. You know, I was the head of the Illinois Association of Chiefs of Police. There's not a police chief around here that I can't reach out to and I know. And one of the benefits that we have is Moraine Valley is, is covered with a very, very uh, veteran police department. The people I hire here are veteran officers from other places. They're commanders and SWAT team directors and investigators, and they're people that, as you all go on law enforcement organizations or public safety agencies, probably would have been working for. So one of the situations I have to, to my benefit is having knowledge of these guys. That's the quality of police officer you see out in those squads. But one of the things we can actually do is realize that in most situations, the shooter is trying to do as much damage as he can. He doesn't want to engage law enforcement. So really, in public areas, those words are really going to happen. These things happen in three to, three to seven minutes. The average actor shooter situation is done. And as being an ex-SWAT team director, I can tell you, if we get a phone call from a local police department, I don't even have my gear assembled or on the way by the time this thing's over with. So what do I do as a police chief? Well, I can tell you when I, one of the things that I train my people here is we train in active shooter principles, and the people that are going to deal in active shooter situation or a violent person here are going to be the police officers here. They've got heavy weapons in a car and the SUV, ballistic, uh, ballistic vests, they have ballistic helmets, they have ballistic shields, and they train regularly. So realistically, if something was to ever happen in Moraine Valley, you're going to have an instantaneous response. You can't go from one side of the campus to the other campus, side of the campus in, in, in less than a minute if you're running hot from one side or another. Most times it's going to be 30 seconds we're in the buildings. One of the things we learned with Columbine is the sheriff's SWAT team surrounded the building. Meanwhile, uh, Harrison Klebold kept killing people. Active shooter principle means we're coming directly to the, the active, uh, active shooter situation. So in other words, there's no surrounding. The surrounding towns have intergovernment agreements with me. They're going to surround the building and help me. But what does that mean to you? What that really means to you is you're going to have an immediate police response almost instantaneously. Weapon, officers with heavy weapons are going to be down here. Okay? But a lot of this stuff has to do with what your input is to us. A successful anti-violence program, and I think Moraine's got a good one, is the fact that we recognize that our students are our best, best core of information. I, I started my career here and left and worked and as a municipal and, and uh, uh, tactical officer all around the metro area, and, after, and I came back here seven years ago as their police chief. I've been teaching here for ten years when I came back. And one of the things I can tell you is I don't believe that Moraine Valley students are afraid to come to the police department and say, listen, i got to talk to you alone. Don't use my name, but. And I can tell you how many times I have faculty, staff, and friends come up to me, along with students who know me from teaching classes, and say, chief, can I talk to you? 
I got this buddy and he's having some problems. If you are, as a student, recognize the fact that we want those people to be successful, then the earlier we get engaged, the more successful we are in taking them out of the institution, getting the help they are, then getting them back on board and being successful. One of the principles with law enforcement on a campus is that we should be seamless. Oh, we drive you nuts with the stop signs and the parking tickets, and I know all that stuff drives you nuts. But that's order maintenance. That's what every police department has to do to make sure you're not driving into each other's doors, all right? Or parking along the fire entrance because you really, you know, eight-foot-tall boo-boo doesn't want to walk across the parking lot because it's kind of chilly, all right? But realistically, we have a good partnership with our uh, with our students here. We want to be seamless in terms of your success getting in here, getting out of here. So what does that mean? Well, I was on a group that worked with the International Chiefs uh, and the Justice Department for years. We had looked for a single point of reference on how do we respond. And one of the things I'm going to tell you is our, our shelter-in-place facility here is based on three principles. First of all, you're going to have instantaneous response. We all know in Blue Island and Tinley Park, you've got a policeman right in the building with you. And here we've got armed policemen and CSOs who walk the buildings that are radio-equipped that give us eyes. But we also have eyes through all the buildings in terms of panic buttons, red phones, all the desk phones, 5555, and any place in the campus will get us. And I've got every one of you who text me, call me, give me emails when you get a parking ticket, and you should recognize that we rely on you as the other part of the police department. So will you see an instantaneous response? You will. But the thing that you have to do is you have to know the plan. So under most circumstances, Moraine Valley is always a shelter-in-place facility. And I kind of want you to take that out in your life, too. When you're in a locked container, you're always going to be safer than being out in an unlocked container. What happens here? Well, if, in fact, somebody picked up a red phone or a panic button in the parking lot and said there's an armed intruder in this building, Moraine Valley Police Department Dispatch Center, which is here 24-365, it's always open, they're going to go to, immediately go to a lockdown. Well, what's that mean for you? You're going to get a PA announcement that's going to go through the, through the buildings. You're going to have building captains, which have these really stylish, nasty orange vests, yellowish orange vests. It looks like mustard. It says building captain. And there are staff members who have been trained, and they're going to step out and direct you where you should go. You're also going to be in a position where CSOs in a building are going to start moving your places along with police officers. The first thing you want to do is find, take yourself away from public places. Only un, just a little bit underneath 12% of aggressive attacks in schools take place in a classroom. Do you know that? FBI and the Secret Service did a combined study probably about 10 years ago, and they recognized that usually the involvement with an active shooter is not with one-to-one -one relationships unless there was a bullying thing. It's to do as much damage as possible. They don't want to engage the police. They are damaged, and they are, they're bullied, and they really haven't felt that they were engaged in their lifetime. So when you deal with a person with this type of psychosis, it's the first time in their life they've had power. Because of that, they want to inflict as much damage as possible. That's why most active shooter situations end very quickly once law enforcement shows up. They take their own life. Anybody got a reason why? Because law enforcement will take that power away again. That's the last thing that they can do and have control over is taking their own life. So when you deal with an active shooter situation, what's going to happen here is this place is going to be locked up. 
tight. They're going to active, activate the lockdown procedures at the campus, and really what we find is we're going to be in a position where all the exterior doors are automatically going to be swiped locked by the dispatch center. I know what you're thinking. Oh, shit. Now what? I can read it on your face. What I can tell you is this building becomes a container. Do we open a door for anybody? No, we don't. Does it sound cold? Yeah, it does. But my goal right now is to make this a sealed container. So when we talk about shelter in place, we immediately want you to leave public places, go into small rooms, closed doors. Okay? You don't have to lock them. You don't have to barricade them. We're going to get to what the procedure is. But immediately take yourself out of public view. Because most times this takes place in large public gathering areas. The next thing you're going to do is no matter what, do not open the door. Because in practical terms, most of these shootings we have seen in armed intruders that there's been, in at least half of them, one or other people involved or had knowledge of it. So just because you think who one person is doesn't mean you just haven't left the second one into the building. Okay? Understand with less than 30 seconds you're going to have a police officer there. So when we talk about run, hide, fight, this was the premise that we came up nationally with. Run. What's that mean? Do I want you looking like a cartoon character? Seventy of you running down the hallway of the L building? No, because in practical terms, you don't know where you're going. If, in fact, you're standing next to a door and you can see the door and you can remove yourself, remove yourself. Go to your cars. Make sense? If you can't see a door, are you going to go looking for it? No, actively not. Two things. I don't want you opening up the buildings. We don't know who the bad guy is until we get here. And the other issue is you don't expose yourself to a threat. So what you want to do is recognize that armed police are coming here. If I don't see a door, I'm not walking down the hall to go find one. So run when you can get out of a building to safety. Hide if you can't get to safety, if you can't see the door. And fight is the second, second cause that we're looking at. When you look at the Moraine Valley Police Department website, and I know you all stay up every night and study it avidly, Makes me sleep. I get a little spittle here. And what I can tell you is it doesn't mean anything to you because you come and you go through the same doors in the same ways and you park in the same parking lot. But because of our history and the way we do things, understand somebody who wants to do us harm recognizes where all the main doors are that people go out. So if, in fact, something was to happen here and you go downstairs and go out the back doors, that's not a planned door. That front door in the hallway, that's a planned door. And what I want you to do in your life even in your work environment uh, and your social environments, recognize whether it's a fire or anyplace else, there's other places to, to go, other places to make yourself safe. So when we came up with this premise of run, hide, fight, it was based on the fact that the campus threat assessment team was here, it was active, and chances are we are one of the safest campuses around. It's never going to happen here. But when I look at our threat assessment team, these are all people working and the information that you give us. So when I tell you shelter in place, underneath all circumstances, I want you to stay in the buildings. I always tell a funny story is when I, I, I left the village of Worth to come here, I was here the first day. We've got the air raid siren out there, you know, the weather reporting siren out there. And we activated from the police department when we've got a true threat against tornadoes. Now, we're a ready, weather-ready certified campus, one of the few in the state. But what I can tell you is we don't, we don't give you uh, the conditions of right warning and then take shelter warning. If you hear a siren here, it's only take shelter because I've already got you in the buildings. 
And I was standing out in the old police department, and I looked, and the weather was coming in, and they had an active uh, vortex spinning over the Lamont area. And I, I, you know, here I am, Mr. Commander here. I lean in the dispatch, and I said, activate the siren. We hit the siren, and I watched. It was my first week here. I watched administ- senior administrative staff run out the door, get in the car, and drive up the hill. And I go, what's up with that? They, I, they just ran out of the building. I want you to stay in the building. So, in most circumstances, when, if you were to get a weather warning, what we're really going to do is we're going to go from the upper floors to the lower floors, just like your mom taught you. Inner walls, we know those tornado sirens and shelter sirens are all around here. But anything off the main hallways in the interior of the building is a safe area. Smaller the room, the better. Bathrooms, don't worry about Susie's in there with you. We're not here for that function. We're in, a, in the area for, for safety, Okay. Please try not to sit on a, on a, in the stall with the other guy because it's creepy. But what we really want you to do is pile in those small rooms and make yourself safe. We'll give you updates to see if those will tell you what's going on. And in most circumstances, we don't ever want you to leave these buildings. Lower level, interior rooms. With the exception of one thing, fire. And with that, you know, what we really want to recognize is when students or staff members have problems here, we intercede early. But these issues that we talked about are not the only issues that we deal with, okay? The average school is really going to have to concentrate on things like power outages. Do we have power outages here? Yes. All the time. We're at the end of transmission lines. So if you're here in a night class and the power goes out, all you do is step out of your classroom into the main hallways. You all have your cell phones on, even though we beg you not to turn them on. So you flip the light up, step outside. What we really do is keep you out in public areas and out of offices until we get the power back up. If it's going to be extended time, we're going to evacuate you, okay? And when we turn around hazmat situations, we are encircled by chemical plants, both up along I-55 and up by the Joliet area. Shelter in place. We stay inside. Fire is the only time I want you to leave these buildings. We will direct you. But you just don't run out the building. Today is not a day you would be very happy with Chief O'Connor standing outside. You would probably call me every name that you could think of. And what I'm going to tell you is we sh- our our policy here now is to evacuate from a place to a place. So if, in fact, we have a fire alarm in L, what we're going to do is probably take you to B and A, because they are separate zones, close the fire doors. If it happens in another building, we're going to take you out of one building into another building. That way you can get the announcements, our staff can help you, and we're going to put you in rooms and hallways to stay warm and stay cool. Okay? So those are the things we really want you to look at. But who's responsible for what? When we turn around and look at Washington, Illinois, which just took place, I knew police officers down in that area. I know that area very well. One of the things I can tell you is when you turn around and look at this swath, in the middle of this was the ex-police chief's house. There's no planning on when it's going to hit. Are we in Tornado Alley? Yes, we are. When you go from an extension from southwest Illinois up towards the lake, that's the normal vortex spin of heavy storms. Okay, in the, in, the, in, the, in the storms that challenge us. So one of the things I want you to recognize, in the, in the Western Hemisphere, we normally have weather traveling from the west side of our state to the east side of our state. And so it's going to cross over us. But that's not the only issue. What took place last week on Orion? I can tell you what took place on Orion. I can tell you a lot of people, if there was in this mess, was the police chief coming back from me because he called me and was cursing to me. That's actually the 35th Street Bridge. He 
told me exactly where it was, and I laughed at him. I had another hot cup of coffee, and I said, you should have left earlier. Chief, should have planned. Who's responsible for you? You. Am I going to get on the Ryan where everybody else is on the Ryan when, in rush hour, like we saw two years ago on Lakeshore Drive, where we know you don't have a chance in heck to get out of there? No. I don't want anybody here to get the dumbass award. Okay? Please don't go up and go, Chief, guess what I got? All right? Who's responsible for you? You are. But that can happen here. Factory fired killed four people and took out a whole block of housing last year. Can it happen in Marine Valley? Yes, it can. So these are the things that we're going to be facing here. These are the things that we really want you to recognize is the fact of evacuations for storms and, and for issues such as power outages. Who decides? The police department will decide when we're going to move, where we're going to move, okay? The building captains and my CSOs in the room, in the, in the hallways are going to help you. And when we stay sit, stay, stay tight is because I've got 58 people here that want to make sure that you stay safe. You know, when I was a municipal police chief in two locations, and I've worked in three police departments in 40 years, one of the things I can tell you is one of the hardest things is worrying about other people's kids, worrying about staff members who I consider friends, and worrying about visitors here who have come to Moraine Valley. That keeps me up a lot more than when I was police chief in Worth or LaGrange. Because it's, although I cared for those people, I didn't know them intimately. Some of you all are going to be uh, my students. You're people who I know's kids. Uh, and I've got uh, two young sons. They're not young anymore. They're in their 30s. But I look at them and I go, would I want something to happen to my, my family when they were here? So one of the things I find is that responsibility is on me. And that keeps me up a lot more than when I was a municipal chief. So we're always here. One of the things I want to talk to you about is the uh, sworn officers are backed up. We're backed up by a staff of large, peop uh, uh, large groups around us. We have intergovernmental agreements with all of the, the towns around us to help us in emergency, both police and fire. We, this, the main campus sits in North Palos Fire Protection. So if something happens, you've got the main fire protection district right over here on Roberts Road and 107th. You've got, uh, you've got another house up in 95th Street and another one over in Worth and 111th Street. Payless Fire Protection District is just south of uh, 127th Street, right off LaGrange Road. You are wrung around very competent people. Uh, if, in fact, we need help, one of the things I can guarantee is there's a lot of people coming, not to mention the 26 sworn officers that I have here that have been trained on this campus. We're staffed 24 hours, 365. There's a lot of things that are going to come with you to school. Domestic problems, problems, uh, social problems. I can't tell you how many times we've dealt with fights and threats against people that started in the neighborhood and show up here. I can guarantee you every one of you, guy or girl, knows a guy or girl who's dealt with domestic violence issues. Boyfriend, girlfriend, ex-spouse. Do those issues come here? Yes. If you've got an order of protection and, and it's an active order of protection and, and you're here and the person that you believe uh, is a threat to you uh, knows you go to school here, come to the police department and lodge your order of protection with us. If you've got a family member or friend that goes through this and you know when things are going south on your family and friends and they're here, let us know. A lot of times what we do is we find ourselves in a position where I may not be able to take any action here because nothing took place here, but I know the chief where something did take place. So we'll open up a case report, 
we'll get things going. How do you contact the police department down here? Okay. You can, can you use 911 on your cell? Yes. It's going to jump over to the local PSAP. That's the Public Safety Dispatch Center in, in Palos Heights. They will transfer that call to our dispatch center. So if you hit 911, that will get there. If you dial 974-5555 on your cell phone, that will get there. If you pick up any office phone, 5555, it will go directly to us. If you're out in the parking lot at night or you see something during the day or you're threatened, you hit a blue light, that speaks directly to us. It's like a reverse 911, and we speak to you, and we can see you and hear you while an officer is dispatched. We've got 237 cameras on three campuses. There's not a lot of places where you're walking that you can't see us. But you also know the red phones, as you go through the building, are all marked up along the hallway. You can see the signs. When you, even if the hallway's jammed, you can see a sign up there, police, campus police. You pick that up. And what happens is you, it's like an automatic 911. You talk, talk directly to the dispatch center. We have 37 speakers ringing around the, the common areas and athletic fields out here where we can talk to you, even out at the basketball court. So we can evacuate you out of, uh, evacuate you out of storms. We go into offices with PA systems. And you're really in a position where there, if you go to our website, you'll see uh, a hot tips anonymous email where you can send us an email about something and you, that we will get it and it, and it, and it goes through an outside server so we don't get you back. If, in fact, you come in, you have an issue, you want to talk to a police officer, it's always available. 365, 24 hours a day when you're walking around in your fuzzy jammies on Christmas morning, there's somebody working in dispatch and somebody working on the campus. All right? You know, so when you're unwrapping those fuzzy slippers on Christmas Day and you're so excited, somebody's there working. If you're here late... 11 o'clock at night, and the car's broken down, let us know. We don't want to ticket you overnight, but do we? Yes, we do. We control the vehicles that are here. We control the vehicles in Tinley Park. We control the, the, the people in and out of Blue Island. And one of the things I can tell you is anything that takes place in Moraine Valley at the Tinley Park Center Blue Island is handled exclusively by the Moraine Valley Police Department, and we're the reporting agency. So if you're having an issue, don't be shy about coming in. If you're having a problem at home and you want to talk to a police officer, do it. CSOs, are, a lot of them are all your peers. They're criminal justice students who are trying to get some time in, uh, and, and they're just like you. They're trying to build a relationship and trying to build a, a profession. You know, one of the things we're going to do is we're much better at spotting and planning issues uh, and, and seeing things that pop up. That's why Moraine Valley has been so proactive in, in addressing uh, violence issues. But our core... Our core of our information comes from each, you, each one of you. I can't tell you how many times where I'll get an email from a prior student or a student saying, Chief, i got a problem, can I talk to you? You may not be able to get me because I'm all over the place, but this thing's always on, and I will route you to one of our investigators and one of our patrol officers, and you're going to hear, see, see or hear from a policeman like right away. Staff and faculty come to me all the time, and it's anonymous. If you think when you leave my office, I go out and put stuff in a tribune, you're wrong. I've been a cop too long for that. I know you're dealing with an issue, and you, if you trust me, you have to trust the fact that we're going to work on that issue. I've actually had a student last semester come in and go, you know, I had you my first semester here. It was two years ago. I came back. I'm not doing good, and I'm thinking about hurting myself. Instantaneously, in the counseling, we got him engaged with his personal counselor, got his medication straightened out. He was gone for last semester. Now he's back, and he's doing fine. 
But he was smart enough to know that, you know what, i got to do something. So he sat through one of my ridiculous classes with me doing stand-up in the thing and, and actually said, you know what, I think I'll go talk to that guy. But if you turn around and go to your teacher, if you don't feel good, you go to your teacher and you, and you say, Michelle, I'm having some problems. I can care, tell you where she's going to send you. And we'll get that help done. If your sister, brother, mother, wife, father are having problems and you want to talk about that, I may not be able to get it done here, but I've got resources to get it done there. But one of the things we recognize is when we talk about all these people that are working campus threat assessment and why Moraine has continued to be so safe, I can tell you one reason. It's because people jump up and go, I'm not doing so good. Give me a hand. And one of the things I want to tell you is encourage that conversation. One of the things we saw with Columbine was there was two other people that knew and encouraged those two knuckleheads to take action against people they thought were bullying them. Two other people that could, prevent, could have prevented something. And I don't care if it's dating violence or bullying or workplace violence or bullying in the classroom. Nobody needs that. And I can guarantee, as being a guy who's been around here for a long, long time, I take those issues serious. Your police department's a tool, but it's a tool that you have to use. There's no one-size-fits-all. You can read all this stuff for yourself, but what I'm going to say is we give you all the methods in the world to reach out to us. But if you don't reach out to us and you don't come to me, I can't help you. So one of the things I'm going to tell you in life is when you take these discussions that we had today, I want you to take them and put them in your personal life. Is it weird going to the municipal police department saying, hey, listen, I need to talk to somebody? Yeah, it is. But are you that much better for it? Absolutely. Everybody has somebody. Everybody has somebody. It's just whether you choose to take the step and recognize we're all in this big boat called Earth together. So we'll get stuff done if we're all involved in the same team. Moraine Valley is a very successful team. I want every one of you to go out in the criminal justice program and be successful. If you're not a criminal justice uh, major and you're going to go uh, be a, a chemist, uh, go be the best chemist you can. The only people that hold you back are you. I know Michelle was just rolling out her uh, uh, emergency manager program, and I, I've got the Homeland Security program. We have a security operations certificate you can get, fire operations, uh, EMS. There's nothing that you can't do if you, if you don't reach out and do it, but you have to reach out and talk to us. So we know how to get a hold of the police department. Here's my contact information. Okay. And you're just going to smile and go, yeah, okay, got that, Chief. Okay? Is it done? I need really, is he done yet? Because I really need some coffee. I get that. But what I'm going to tell you is if you go on the Moraine Valley website and click on this, you're going to get my smiling face. See, i got my hat on there. That's the way it's covering up the ball spot. But realistically, I can route you to resources that you need. Because one of the things when I left municipal policing, it was a conscious effort after 36 years of being a municipal police officer, that I wanted to do something different. Uh, and I had taught here when Dr. Crawley offered me the position. Uh, it just seemed like the next step because this is where I started. This is where I got my first degree. This is where I got my first job as a CSO. And 40 years later, I'm back here making sure that you're all successful, as well as all the, 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 the faculty here. We don't do this because they're bringing buckets of money to us, Okay. But what I can tell you is every one of you should have a positive impact on your life.
and the positive impact on other lives. So if you don't take those steps, then there's not much I can do. You know, I always tell people, you are what you've decided that you're going to be, and that's all you are. Let me take a look at here. Here's our main page. Let's go back up here. This is the main page of the college, okay? So if you click on this, you can either search up in the search box and just type in the words police or come all the way down to the drop-down box, all the way at the bottom, and right there, campus police. We're right in the main page. So you click that, and you go, oh, my God, I get to hear all this stuff the chief already told me. I get to read it now. Well, it'll make you sleep good, okay? But one of the things I want you to do is when you're bored out of your minds, is kind of go through here, and it kind of talks about all the things and a lot of the staff and some of the issues here. But, you know, it talks about weather storm responses and Moraine Valley is certified and all this cool stuff. Click on campus emergency. In an evacuation, how many people have been in class with a disabled person? I have. Somebody with crutches, somebody with a wheelchair, somebody who's just not ambulatory. One of the things we recognize is this is a large facility, and you as a student, what's your job? Your job is you first. As faculty members, what's their job? Their job is them first, and then you. See, the key is nobody gets hurt here. But if we have to evacuate a building, you know what the plan is? If you're stuck in the hallway with somebody and you're being evacuated and they're having a hard time getting along, take them to the first red phone you see. It's the first thing I'm going to tell you. Key one, before you go downstairs or outside the building, take them to the first red phone you see, hand them the red phone, and say, this is campus police. And the campus dispatcher is going to get it, and then you're done. Because we're going to send somebody to get them down the stairs. Because you know that'd be a 500-pound guy you're going to be trying to take down the stairs, and I have two of you in a pile. We will remove people safely. Your goal is just to, get, to, to reach out that hand and get them to the closest place you can be. But what I want you to do is go all the way down here and see how the lockdown and violent intruders and all that stuff goes on. And let me see if I can get this to click up. And I want you to pay a little attention. I want you to take this to your family and this is, how, this is how I want you to respond here and in the rest of your life. It may feel like just another day at the office. But occasionally, life feels more like an action movie than reality. The authorities are working hard to protect you and to protect our public spaces. Sometimes, bad people do bad things. Their motivations are different. The warning signs may vary, but the devastating effects are the same. And unfortunately, you need to be prepared for the worst. were ever to find yourself in the middle of an active shooter event, your survival may depend on whether or not you have a plan. The plan doesn't have to be complicated. 
There are three things you could do that make a difference. Run. Hide. Fight. First and foremost, if you can get out, do. Always try and escape or evacuate, even when others insist on staying. Encourage others to leave with you, but don't let them slow you down with indecision. Remember what's important, you, not your stuff. Leave your belongings behind and try to find a way to get out safely. Trying to get yourself out of harm's way needs to be your number one priority. Once you're out of the line of fire, try to prevent others from walking into the danger zone and call 911. If you can't get out safely, you need to find a place to hide. Act quickly and quietly. Try to secure your hiding place the best you can. Turn out lights, and if possible, remember to lock doors. Silence your ringer and vibration mode on your cell phone. And if you can't find a safe room or closet, try to conceal yourself behind large objects that may protect you. Do your best to remain quiet and calm. As a last resort, if your life is at risk, whether you are alone or working together as a group, fight. Act with aggression. Improvise weapons. Disarm him. And commit to taking the shooter down, no matter what. Try to be aware of your environment. Always have an exit plan. Know that in an incident like this, victims are generally chosen randomly. The event is unpredictable and may evolve quickly. The first responders on the scene are not there to evacuate or tend to the injured. They are well trained and are there to stop the shooter. Your actions can make a difference for your safety and survival. Be aware and be prepared. And if you find yourself facing an active shooter, there are three key things you need to remember to survive. Run, hide, fight.
It was done on a grant from the federal government after we met with them over the last few years, and it was uh, something that was put forward uh, by the city of Houston. But it's there on our website. It can be used by you to tell your friends. This is every day. This is in the mall. This is in McDonald's. This is every day. Being reflective about Sandy Hook, what I can tell you is those teachers who died tried to do everything that they were taught. They sheltered in place. They put those little kids in a room. They closed them all into a corner and said, somebody's coming. None of those teachers fought back except for the principal who engaged the shooter in the hallway because they were always told to lock the door. If I walked up to any of you and struck you, would you stand there? I'm thinking I'm getting hit by something. Even the blonde up here is going to beat the snot out of me. All right? How many ladies have a purse with you right now? I know you all do. You can't go anywhere without it. How many people have a, have a pen? <coughs> uh, pencil. Right? If you're sneaking into that door and you've been in an active shooter situation, what in God's green earth would mean that you're going to sit there quietly and hide? We all know how much damage a big pen or a pencil directly to the chest or throat is going to feel. If somebody's in pain, are they going to be able to focus on shooting you? No, they're not. Do you shoot and die like in the movies? Do you just drop dead? Well, if you get hit in a major organ, it'll hurt you. But most of the situations, you're going to be fine. So recognize that the only people that can take power away from you in an emergency situation is you. If you hide in the back, Sandy Hook, what we need to do, build better, better barriers between the students. Okay? Better barriers. I always do this, and I'm going to do it again. Come on up here, Mr. Muscle. I want these two girls to come up here. Oh, man, you never sit in the front. Yeah, you do. Come on. Your instructor's gone through this. All right? I'm an ex-SWAT guy. I hate going in the buildings with long guns. What do they always bring? Long guns, right? I hate them. What goes through the door entrance first when you have a long gun? Barrel of the gun. Barrel of the gun. See, he doesn't get the stupid award today. All right? Now, I want you to turn around, hold your wrist. Hold your wrist tight, tight, like you mean it. You know, kind of like your crab or something, the last beer, okay? Hold that thing up there, and that's what's going through. I want you two, Mrs. Muscles, to reach up there when I tell you, both grab a hold of that arm. On, on three, let's push it down. You don't let them. You push it like you mean it. Ready? One, two, three. Push it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, there's no polite. Is, is he able to hold the weapon up? I guarantee you, you're done. See, you get a you get a cookie. All right. All right. One of the things I can tell you is when you extend a fulcrum out, it's physics. You hold something out, you don't have control over it. And one of the first things we do in tactical training is say, you get a hold of that barrel. Am I going to get burned hands? Yes. Is he going to be able to point it at me? No. If you pick up books, if you pick up a chair. Are they actively engaging you in acquiring you as a target? No. Run. Get out the door. Hide. Build barriers. Because we're coming. The nice thing you know is Moraine Valley Police Department is going to be there faster than your local police department. I don't have to drive across the town. I'm here. And fight. If you get there, you're just making time. You're making space. But the same thing should happen in your life.
in the mall, in the store. Nobody is a victim unless they, uh, they allow themselves to be victims. I don't see a victim in this room. At a certain point, everybody recognizes that I'm going home and he's not. And understand, somebody who's in an active shooter situation has never had power in their life. This is the first time they've had power. And what did the victims just do? They just took power away from them again. So what I want people in this room, in your life and at Moraine Valley, recognize that you are the power that controls you. Don't lay down. If you have a problem, come to the police department. If you need a question answered, ask. And if, in fact, you find something you don't think is right, let us know. Nobody has to identify you. We can investigate it. But if you ever get to that situation, and I would share this with your family and your friends, take responsibility for yourself. Who's in charge of you in an emergency? You are. I got just a minute or so for questions. Any questions? I'm not painting uh, doors or washing windows, but otherwise I'm good. All right? Well, I'm sure I'll see some of you in my classes. If you need something, I'm a resource. Don't be shy. Shoot me an email. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Chief. Thank you, everybody. Round of applause. Thanks for listening to this Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu library.